So, let me pray and we'll get started. We're in Matthew chapter 1. Um, we've been going through the book of Matthew now and all we've done is the genealogy, verses 1 through 17. And so today we're going to pick up at verse 18. So if you are following along, um, you can flip to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And that's where, we'll pray, that's where we'll get started. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for tonight. Um, thank you for the chance to be able to come here and, and preach. Lord, I pray that you would give me words. I pray that you would give me insight. God, I pray that you would help me be clear. Lord, I, uh, I just confess that there's, there's no way I can, I can preach the gospel clearly without a move of your spirit in my life, God, and in the lives of us. So I pray that you would come now and come in power. We love you, Father, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, I have one goal, one goal, and that's for you to walk away from here believing to the same degree that Joseph believed. Um, Humanly speaking, if there was ever one person that we could say, um, who has the right not to believe the story that we, that we just read in Matthew 1. It's Joseph. Um, he is the one who was most personally wronged by this story if it's not true. If this story is completely untrue, he's the one that is most personally wronged. Um, Matthew wants us to see, though, as he goes, um, as, he's, as he's writing through here, whenever the angel comes to him and talks to him, Um, If you see in verse 20, it says, Behold, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, notice what he says, Joseph, son of David. Now, if you've been kind of reading through the genealogies, you know that calling him son of David is a pretty huge thing to call. And he's wanting, Matthew's wanting us to see, and of course, Joseph would have already known, uh, by calling him David, he's letting him see, hey, this, this baby that's coming is, is very, very important. As a matter of fact, in the line of David, and we, we can see throughout the entire Old Testament scriptures that because he's in the line of David, he is a king, this baby that's coming. And this is the king of not just physical Israel in 2000, uh, I'm sorry, in 2000 years ago, but the king of the entire world. Um, and he will save all of us from our sins. So Matthew uh, is the one who, humanly speaking, has the most kind of going here if this, if this story isn't true. Now, in verse 18, we see the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. This is very much like um, an engagement now, but with a little bit more... Um, oomph to it, a little bit more responsibility. Um, If you wanted to end the betrothal, then it had to be kind of like an ending of a marriage today. You had to go through a divorce and all these kinds of things. It wasn't just like today, if you're engaged, you can just kind of stop it. And so that's why we see after that, when it says, um, verse 19, her husband Joseph, being a just man and willing to not put her to shame, or unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So a divorce actually had to take place, even in order for this ending of this betrothal to happen. And Joseph, um, with, with all of conventional reasoning and all of conventional understanding, um, understood that his wife, even though they were engaged, more than likely became pregnant by someone else. Um, all conventional understanding and reasoning leads him to that. But he's a, he is a just man. He's a good guy. And he doesn't want to shame her. And so he's thinking, well, I have a right here as, as a man who's engaged to be married um, to end this, though it would be by, by divorce, because um, she's been with someone else. And so 
<coughs> we know that Mary knew that she was pregnant, that Gabriel had come to her. Um, we can see that over in Luke 1. Um, but she had not, all, all, all things kind of lead to telling us that she had not yet told Joseph that she was pregnant. That, that was going to be the job of the angel that was going to come to him and tell him. And so he finds out. Now, he's pushing towards the divorce until the angel comes. And in verse 20, it says, um, but as he considered these, I'm sorry, 19, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her shame resolve to divorce her quietly. 20, he says, but as he considered these things, he's considering it. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, son, Joseph, son of David. And then he says, do not fear. And, and this word fear um, really means more fear, but also hesitate. That's, that was the real issue. Joseph was hesitating. Um, do not hesitate or fear to take Mary as your wife for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And so <clears throat> the angel saying this isn't what you think it is. Um, her pregnancy is not from someone else. It's from the Holy Spirit himself. And what I want to do here is really key down in on verse 21. And verse 21 is going to be our, our kind of theme verse as we look through this. And I really have about four things that I want us to see and understand from verse 21. Um, verse 21 says, For she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, or Yeshua, where we, the Greek, the, the, I'm sorry, the Hebrew word Joshua and literally just means the Lord saves. You will call his name Jesus. The Lord saves Yeshua. And here it is. For he will save his people from their sins. And tonight, this is the verse I want to focus in on for all of us. For he will save his people from their sins. And there's four points and they're all from this one verse. All from this one verse. And we're going to go through them very fast. Um, point number one focuses in on this verse, the word he, he, the he here, of course, is Jesus. Um, and we know in John fourteen six, as Jesus grows and becomes a man, he says these words, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. And a very similar verse, Acts four twelve says, um, and there is salvation and no one else for th- there is no other name under heaven given, given among men by which Um, We must be saved. So this he is very important when it says he will save the people from their sins. Um, It's not just him and other people. It's Jesus and Jesus alone who is able to save us from our sins. The Bible is really clear as it tells us that in John 14, 6, and as it tells us in Acts 4, 12 and many other places that there is salvation found in no other name and in no other person than in Jesus. So he will save the people from their sins. The next one is he will save He will save. Now, some of us might not have realized um, that we needed saving. Some of us might say, saved from what? Or saved from whom? Saved from ourselves? Saved from someone maybe trying to do harm from us? What's the saving from? What's going on here? Um, Romans 10.13 tells us that salvation is needed by everyone. As a matter of fact, 10.13 says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So it's telling us that There's a calling of the Lord that needs to happen and salvation can happen. So salvation is absolutely necessary for every person in this room. Every single one of us needs to be saved. And this verse is telling us for he will be the one who saves his people. So you and I need to be saved. We need to have salvation happen. We're going to talk about that in a little bit more about what it means. 
Saved means this, to be emancipated from the greatest guilt or the greatest evil or pollution or power and the punishment of sin and to be placed. So it's a pulling away from one thing and then to be placed in the in the possession of the greatest good, which is God. So the next part is this. He will save his people. He will save his people. That's the third thing I want us to kind of focus in on is his people. Now, um, Jesus died for his people. He loved them. And here's the thing um, to wonder if you're one is not the right idea. Instead, the better question is to think this. Um, if he died for his people, how can I be one? How can, what can I do? The Bible's clear. Romans ten thirteen says everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The verse right above that Romans ten twelve tells us that there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile. Um, or Jew and Greek, the, sa- the same Lord is Lord over all, bestowing his riches or rest- bestowing his salvation, the thing that we all need on all who call upon him. So, so far we see here that it's only Jesus who can save, that every one of us needs salvation from whom or from what we're going to talk about, and that he, he came to give salvation to his people if we would call upon him. So, for some people, they're pretty good with these three. Um, these first three, we can say, some person might say, why is it that numbers one, two, and three are such a big deal? Why is it? Why can't numbers one, two, and three just be for the religious people? The people that think they need salvation to make them feel better. The people that think Jesus, yeah, is the only way, but maybe for you. But that's not necessarily the thing that works out for me. Why is it that... Um, there, it's for his people. Why can't I just kind of let you religious people do your thing and I can just kind of do my thing and we can all just be happy and we can all get along and it's not a big deal. Here's why. The rest of that verse is why. For he will save his people from their sins. The reason why it can't just be that some people can have um, a religious experience if that's what they need and other people don't need it is because sin is a universal problem. Every single one of us has sinned. Now, I can give you verses like Romans 3.23 that says, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But every single one of us know. It, just a simple, simple self-assessment. It doesn't have to be anything extravagant. Every single one of us knows that we are a sinner. And there's a there's a... A realization inside of you that there's something deep. Sometimes it's at night when you lay your head on your pillow and you have experienced the suffering and you know that that you're you're a liar and that you're not who you say you should be and that you feel guilt for the things that you're doing wrong. Sometimes it can just be as to, after you've done something, um, a sin, there's a longing inside of you that's placed there by God. God has put this longing inside of you that you need to feel Forgiven, You need to experience salvation from your sins. One of the psalmists, as he's experiencing this, he puts it this way. He says, my heart throbs, my strength fails me, and the light of my eyes also. It is all gone from me. He's saying, I have the weight of sin on me in such a way that my heart throbs and my strength fails, and the light of my eyes is going from me. The feeling of guilt, of understanding that I'm a sinner in front of this amazing holy God. So it's, salvation is not just for the people that feel like they need a religious experience because sin is not just for those people. Sin has happened to every one of us. 
Every one of us have this universal problem called sin. And so we all need salvation. We all need redemption. And it's offered to every single one of us here today in this room by Christ, by him alone. We all need this is if you wanted some words to kind of capture this idea of salvation um, or redemption or forgiveness. Redemption is atonement. Someone dying for you on your place. It's rescue. Being pulled away from danger that is going to be in front of you. It's release. It's deliverance. It's liberation. It's freedom. It's salvation. It's recovery. It's to be bought and to be purchased and to be owned by someone now. Namely God. It is redemption. And as I said in the very beginning, if there was ever someone who had more reason to not believe this, if there was ever someone, humanly speaking, who had more personal wrong that could happen to them. If this story is untrue, it's Joseph. But as he learns, the story is not untrue. It is true. And he realizes he needs a savior just like we all do. It's true for every one of us today. And every one of us needs to experience and believe like Joseph. Now, here's here's one of the coolest things here. Um, Joseph had everything to lose if this is not true. Yet we see that Joseph does believe. He obeys. Look what it says after this. Um, In verse 24, after the angel had come and spoke to him, verse 24 says, When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. Joseph believed and acted on it by obeying what was told to him. And what I want for all of us tonight, if you don't know Christ, is to believe. I want you to believe like Joseph believed. Um, I want you to act in the same way that he acted. He put his faith in Christ. He, he moved and worked to, to be obedient to the things that were told him. And here, salvation is being extended to you. Every one of you is being offered salvation through Christ tonight. tonight. Romans ten thirteen says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And you can be saved from your sins. If you would put your faith in Christ for his work On the cross, God sent his own son, not just to come and be born as a baby, but to die for us on our behalf. And and because he died on the cross for us, now we can all experience forgiveness. That was the death that we were supposed to die and have, but he did it for us. And if we would put our faith in his work on the cross for us, we can experience salvation. We can all have eternal life with God forever. So in the same way that Joseph acted, I want to know if you'll act today, if you'll be obedient to the calling that he's given you, if you'll trust Christ alone today for your salvation. We have um, some pretty amazing names that have been given to us from the Bible about Jesus, Um, some great names that have been offered to us. From the scriptures to help us see and understand and know who he is. And I just want to kind of rehearse or, or sing, or not sing, but good gracious, no. Um, or just say some of these things to you so that you can see who Jesus is. And I'm inviting you in to know him today and put your faith in him for salvation. Um, these are the names of Jesus or the, the titles or the appellations that have been given to us from the scriptures to describe this great savior that we have. 
He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the Ancient of Days, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lord, the Anointed One, and the Messiah. He is the prophet, priest, and king. He's our Savior. He's the only wise God. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's the Lord. He's the Almighty. He's the door of the sheep. He's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. He's the shepherd and bishop of our soul. He's the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. He's the logos, which is the word. He's the light. He's the light of the world. He's the light of life, the tree of life, the word of life, the bread that came down from heaven. He's the way, the truth and the life. He's the resurrection and the life. He's our rock. He's our bridegroom, our beloved, our redeemer, our son of God, son of man, head over all things, which is his body, the church. He is God with us. He's Emmanuel. He is Jesus Christ. The Lord saves. And he came from heaven to earth to save every single one of us from our sins. And if you would put your faith in him, you can know him. And experience life with him and be saved by him. And I just invite you to find me tonight. Find the person you came with tonight and know how that can be done for you tonight. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the simple, simple, yet complex, though it's not simplistic, amazing message. The gospel, the good news that you have sent your son to die for us on our behalf so that we may have life and have life eternal with you by faith. If we believe in your work on the cross, we can be forgiven. And so, Father, I pray for every single one of my friends here. If they don't know you, that they would put their faith in Christ, that they would see that you came to save your people from their sins and that they would embrace that and that they would want that. And as we sing, Lord, if they need to to talk, that they would come find me, that they would come find the person that they came with, that they would talk to them and that they would put their faith in Christ and see that Christmas is about the greatest gift, which is Jesus who died for us 2000 years ago for our sins. We love you, God, and we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen.